What is up, guys? Welcome to episode four of Crave the Book podcast. This is an insanely exciting episode because we are hosting a huge giveaway in collaboration with Entangled Teen Publishing. We're super duper excited to bring you this episode, though it runs a little bit longer. We highly recommend listening till the end because it is full of really cool moments, including our very first interactions with Leah. So let's go ahead and get started. All right, guys, today is the day. It's the super duper exciting day that we promised you, uh, I think since like episode one, right? Is that how long we've been? We said episode, we definitely said episode one, but then we didn't realize how soon we would meet the criteria for our giveaway. Yeah. So episode four seemed like a very long way away. (laughs) It did. And then we had the fiasco where we had to re-record episodes two and three after losing the audio. So it has been quite a journey. But today we're finally opening up our Crave giveaway on Instagram. Uh, If you don't have an Instagram account, unfortunately, this one, we have to do it on Instagram because there's just no other way to do it. Not to mention we're doing this giveaway in collaboration with Entangled Teen uh, Publishing, which is obviously the publishing company that Crave is published through. So for everybody who has been waiting, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to the podcast, for, for jamming out with us for these last three episodes. We are going to have a normal episode today. Chapters 11 through 14 of Crave is what we'll be covering. But first, let's talk about how you can enter to win our marvelous goodies. Um, maybe we should talk about what those goodies are before. <laughs> that way they know if they even want to enter to win them at all. Um, so Entangled Teen reached out to us and they said that they would like to get in on this giveaway. They're going to be giving away one of those big PR style boxes. I don't know if you guys saw, but I actually posted in our Instagram reels at Crave Series Aesthetic. Uh, one of the boxes that I received. It comes with bookmarks and a Catmere Academy hat and some of those little trading cards with all the characters. It comes with stickers and I, I think it comes with a t-shirt, all kinds of Crave themed stuff. And it comes in a really cool box as well. So they're giving that away. Uh, Amber and I are going to be giving the winner a hoodie, a Catmere Academy hoodie. If you're watching this on Instagram, I'll go ahead and throw that up on the screen. But that hoodie will have the Catmere Academy logo. It'll have some gargoyle wings on the back. It says Ludare's Coach on it. Um, and you get to pick whatever size. And I think we can go all the way to a 5X. And then we're also giving away a Catmere Academy themed blanket with some of our line art style uh crave symbolism from the book covers and a matching journal as well. So this is a massive giveaway. I I dare say that this giveaway is probably several hundred dollars worth of goodies um, because I think that Entangled Teen is also including a hard copy cover of Covet with their goodies as well. Did I tell you that, Amber? You did not. I am jealous. I know. I'm jealous. They, they're spoiling our winner. So huge thank you to Entangled Teen for contributing. Um, but guys, the way that we want you guys to enter is you have from right now, podcast day, which is Wednesday, you have from right now until Monday, September 27th. 
to post a photo on your normal Instagram feed, not your stories because those go away in 24 hours and we can't see them. Uh, in your normal Instagram feed, you can either take a screenshot from your phone or computer of the Crave the Podcast screen. You can take a photo or a selfie of yourself with your computer screen with Crave the Podcast stuff. It, it doesn't matter as long as you have our podcast or our podcast uh, screen in a photo on your timeline, somewhere, using the hashtag CravePodcastGiveaway. No spaces. Uh, hashtag CravePodcastGiveaway. And you can also tag us as well. It's uh, at Crave Series Aesthetic. So hashtag CravePodcastGiveaway and at Crave Series Aesthetic. And if you want, maybe like Throw in, throw in like your favorite thing that we've talked about. Throw in something funny, a funny podcast moment that only we'll know the reference to, like garlic mushroom, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, Amber, I don't know if you saw, but we had a lot of people with mushroom emojis on our Instagram after did last we? week. So we did. Oh, I never, I never saw them, and I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> so they would be specifically for me, and yet specifically to taunt me. <laughs> but I mean, there's, we're not judging on photo quality. We're not judging based on the caption. It's completely random, but we will be looking at them. We'll, we'll get nosy and we'll look at your accounts and we'll follow you and, and check out what you've been doing. And after the podcast concludes, if you have a really styled Instagram feed like we do, you are free to remove this photo from your feed after the contest concludes. We don't want to junk up your super pretty feeds. We just need to be able to find these photos. And the one thing that Amber and I are going to recognize is seeing our screen in your images. So if you could just do that up until the contest ends on September 27th, and that will be around noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Pacific. What time is that in the UK, Amber? It's 5 p.m. Yeah, that's usually on Mondays when we record our podcast, and that will be the time that Amber and I will sit down and get your guys' submissions into a random generator and select a winner. So honestly, if you could get your submissions in by like September 26th, you would be in the all clear no matter what time zone you're in. But um, guys, have fun. We're excited to see your submissions. We're excited to read your captions. We're excited to pick a winner and send you guys tons of goodies as our entangled teen. So can't wait. Can't wait to see what you guys post. And uh, other than that, Amber, are you ready to give a memo to our new listeners and jump into this podcast? Absolutely. Although, do we want to uh, list all of the places where we are streaming? Oh, yeah, yeah, guys. Um we got approved for a couple more um, different podcast apps this week, and I can't even remember the name of them. One was like Podcasts for Everyone or something like that. And Deezer? Yeah. De Deezer. Deezer. Something like that. <laughs> so we got we got approved for a few more. We're still waiting on Pandora, still waiting on Apple. I don't even know if we're going to get approved for those. They're dragging their feet. But we are available on all of the other major ones, Spotify being our biggest. We're on YouTube. Uh, you can ask Audible. You can ask your Amazon Alexa. You can ask your Echo to play us. Uh, we're on Google Podcasts, so your Google Home should be able to play us. We're pretty much everywhere now other than Pandora and Apple. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry if those are your favorite devices, but <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and jump in. Amber, take it away. Right. So as with all of the other weeks, once you get to the howl, that means that we have spoken about our chapters 11 through 14. And that means that we are going to go into spoiler territory. So if you haven't quite got that far in the book, or you don't want to listen to any spoilers, because we are going to probably be talking about craft, um, crafts, <laughs> crush or covet, or maybe even some things that we think might happen in court or charm, make sure to turn off the podcast. You can come back whenever you'd like, but we are probably going to ruin some surprises because we like to go through our fan theories and just scheme Absolutely. about what the characters are going to do. Scheming's the best part because <laughs> when you sit with this information for so many months and months after reading Covet, it's like, come on, we if we don't talk about our theories, then our theories will die, and then and then you know, then we won't. We feel need to, super we need to like die on that hill, shouting at Tracy, saying, "No, it needs to happen like this." Uncle Phil, Uncle Phil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, last episode that we left off was right after the really, really weird party and the strawberry biting scene that Amber loves so much. Um, <laughs> so Grace is running. And can I just say for a minute how dramatic this girl is? Jackson bit a strawberry and Grace runs down four flights of steps away from him, like in her dress. And I'm assuming probably like some high heels or something, right? Yeah. And I, I went to a pub over the weekend for the first time in a very, very long time since lockdown wearing heels. I walked from the car park to the pub. Turns out the pub that we went to was called something completely different to what we thought it was because it was all in Welsh and we <laughs> we had to drive 18 miles away to another pub. I took those heels off and walked back to the car. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't do that. And if Grace is anything like me and Starla, she's, I, don't, I don't know whether she, I reckon she probably took them off, right? She's fallen down the steps. <laughs> she, this is how you break your ankle. And she's very accident prone. We know that she is, so... Danger. Danger waiting to happen, that is. Yeah, and um, and the fact that, that she just ended up at the library, I mean, that's another that's another just I feel Starla and Amber thing, and probably everybody who's listening to this as well, because you're obviously a bookworm if you sat and read the whole series. Um so you're you're freaking out that strawberry Gucci boy just bit a strawberry in half, but you know what? This sounds like an excellent time to go to the library. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's the fact that she realizes once she has run as far away from him as possible, how ridiculous her reaction was. Yeah, she's like, oh, And no. I do that all the time. <laughs> I, I, I know I overreact. I overthink. I run away from things. And then I go, wow, what an overreaction. But it's too late to take it back. So then it's just the thing that you think about all night, every night for the next week. Yeah. <laughs> I I think that my favorite part about this whole thing was she's super duper freaked out. She goes in the library. She gets distracted. But the second she walks in the library, it's like, ooh, stickers. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> Nothing it's else girl matters. After my own heart. I love stickers. <laughs> I just I love how easily distracted she was in that moment where she went from just being stressed and running and panting and freaking out and then just the next moment, ooh, stickers. And then she just goes out on an adventure to look at all of the stickers. Yeah, and I think that libraries always give me that sort of sense of inner peace and calm because you no one has ever gone into a library and gone, wow, this is chaotic. Oh, no. Everything is organized. That's the nature. And for the anxious souls like us, it's quiet and predictable. You're not going to have something jump out and scream at a library. It's it's going to be quiet and calm. And like the title suggests, if you're in a library, no one can hear you scream. That's <laughs> Oh, I forgot the chapter titles. Oh God, I, I they think are, I, they are an adventure. I I, I wholeheartedly re- recommend that when you get to the next chapters, you read the chapter titles because they were chosen for a reason. Oh yeah, there's always and there's always a little bit of foreshadowing in those chapter titles. Like you know what that something's going to be up because the chapter titles kind of always give way to that. Um. So. I wrote down in my notes, Amber, on my end, there were four gargoyles that she came across in the library as she was kind of exploring. And I wonder if there was any clues here. Because as of right now, uh, you know, as far as we've read, there hasn't been a whole lot more about the library. And I have some personal suspicions that we can talk about once we get into the spoiler topics. But... I find it very strange that first there was a fierce looking gargoyle and it was guarding kind of the horror section. And then there was one that was resting on skulls and it was guarding the anatomy section. And then there was a female gargoyle reading, which, you know, that that one was guarding the, the fantasy section where Grace grabbed a book. And then there was one more pointing directly at the restricted area. So maybe this is more of a conversation that we could dive into once we get to the spoiler topics, but I wonder... It is suspicious. Yeah, it's... I wonder. I wonder if there's any, like, if we're going to see any significance to those in the next book. I definitely think so. And also, I don't know about you, but I have never seen a gargoyle that I would describe as feminine. Oh, I looked everywhere today to post... I wanted to post the quote about the gargoyle looking like not wanting to put the book down and, you know, about it looking playful and mischievous. Being caught in the middle of the night, still reading. (laughs) Exactly. And I was looking everywhere, just thinking, man, there has to be a photo of this. And I mean, I found one that was, that was kind of close to post in our Instagram feed, but there really was not a whole lot of anything. So I, I really wonder what this gargoyle looked like because yeah, like you said, they definitely, I would, if I saw two gargoyles, I would not be able to say that one is feminine and that one is masculine. And she very clearly said that that gargoyle was a female. Yeah. I'm, did you ever watch Doctor Who? I didn't. So there, there's there's some characters called the Weeping Angels. Yes, I'm in familiar. Doctor Who. And whenever anybody mentions any like creepy gargoyles or feminine gargoyles, my brain instantly goes to, oh my God, there is a Weeping Angel. And I want to run in the complete opposite direction. Those those monsters scarred me for life. Yeah, but they 
I mean, they are like definitely not gargoyles when you think if you were to think of a gargoyle, that's not where my brain would go, though. No, and I can't think of any sort of I can't think of a gargoyle without any defining features that were still inherently human. They're all very pointy faces, really angular snouts, because they're supposed to be water spouts for cathedrals. So they're supposed to direct water off of the rooftops. So therefore they will be a very particular shape. Like dragon-like. Yeah. Or... But I never think of them as very feminine or very sexy. Yeah. That's... And I... I, I would love to see how they pull this off if they go through with the movies. I would love to see more of what Tracy had in mind for these gargoyles, because even, like I said, even styling our Instagram feed and finding good pictures, it's very, very hard because either the gargoyles are very much animals like dragons. And I see some that are kind of, uh, they almost have bulldog type faces. Um, And then I see, the ones that are more like monsters, they have almost like a like a demonic bat-like look to them. So I'm very curious to see what she had in mind. But um, so we've got four gargoyles and maybe we'll get some more of that once we get into court when that comes out in February. I did write myself one extra little note. It's three days from Halloween, which means it's November 3rd. We finally have a date. We do. We finally have a date. And I wonder, I'm just going to kind of keep that in the back of my mind. I want to keep track as we go through the next few episodes. I want to keep track of exactly how many days pass until Crush begins. Yeah. And and also, we're not just keeping track of that. We're keeping track of the songs that are mentioned within the books. <laughs> That's true. Yes, I have. A, I'm. I want them all, including songs mentioned in the courts. Um, for example, there's a Breaking Benjamin song mentioned in the Vampire Court bonus chapters. So when I actually build our playlist, which will be available as soon as we get through all the books, um. I want to make sure that I incorporate all of those songs in as well. I know a lot of other people who have done who have done it, but I haven't seen anybody get it perfect because most people will also add in songs that made them think of the books. But I want a completely in order, front to back, as mentioned, playlist of every song mentioned in all of the books, including bonus chapters. So that is my big goal uh, for the next few weeks as we read you, through these chapters. You're a bit more um, up to date with like copyright law and everything for like than me. But um, how do you think that the movies are going to incorporate so many specific songs? Because I have ne- I have never seen a book do it where um, they've actually mentioned very relevant songs to like popular culture. I think that the way that they're going to need to do it is well, they'll have to get the artist permission. Um, they will have to ask and and make sure that they have permission. For example, and uh, something hilarious to me is uh. Both Linkin Park and Paramore wrote songs for the Twilight movies, uh, be- but because Stephanie Meyer had kind of imagined Gen- uh, Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance as her Edward when she had her iconic Meadow Dream, uh, she had wanted My Chemical Romance to do a song and they refused, which I find to be hilarious because <laughs> just a couple years later, they did a song for Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> 
Wow. But they completely refused to do any songs for the Twilight soundtrack. So um, I would say that as long as they got the artist permission, Harry Styles is really the only one that matters, I think. Maybe maybe um, Shut Up and Dance, I think that that would be an essential one. But Harry Styles and I think Shut Up and Dance are going to be the most iconic songs. And they don't seem like they would be that hard to get. Because I think that for Harry Styles, anything that is like pop culture that's going to, you know, further push his career, I, I see him as being the type who might, you know, be all for that type of thing. Because it's already his target demographic reading these books. Yeah, I just feel like if they didn't get one of the songs or swapped it out for a different song. If they swapped out the, Shut Up and oh, Dance, I would lose oh, my mind. Yeah, this is this is why I'm so concerned is that you, you they can't do, it has to be all or nothing. They can't just go, well, we, we managed to get this one, but we didn't manage to get this one. Because then the people who really appreciate one scene get really upset. Yeah. That, that was the one that they focused on. And if they outright swap it, ooh, people will be so mad. Man, I will, if if we can get that shut up and dance scene, I will stand in the theater and I will clap. Amber, we should make it a point to ensure that if we get movies, you're able to fly to the United States just so we can sit in a theater together and watch these movies and and be able to do a podcast episode. <laughs> oh my God, it's been so long since I've been to the... So, so we call them cinema. It's been a very long time since I've been to the cinema. I'm going to say four years since I've been to one. Hmm. I think the last movie I saw was the last Toy Story whenever that came out. <laughs> the fourth one? Or uh whatever the last one with Forky was. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth <laughs> yeah the fourth one yeah that's that's the last time i went to a theater so um i went to watch Endgame. oh which yeah which was very very long ago <laughs> oh god i can't wait i can't wait i'm hoping that it's done well um but okay so anyway um one thing that i i took note on is that so uh, let's back up a little bit grace finds leah leah's being kind of weird. Um, we've talked about this in, I think, our last three episodes of the podcast. But for those who haven't watched those or listened, basically, Leah is acting very strange the second that Grace walks in. And granted, she is in a restricted section. She immediately slams the book and gives Grace like a dirty look. But then that dirty look is wiped clean. Um, is it just me or... Is the librarian a bit too accommodating? Because I like yes. the librarian. Even in like later books, I like her. But she, it's very strange that she's so accommodating to Leah for this and giving her access to a restricted section, letting her lock up at night. The thing is, we don't know whether the librarian was allowing this to happen. But at the same time, we do meet the librarian later. And it's quite obvious she has foresight so does she just not see this coming? Right. Well, I mean, she also will we'll later get that scene with Flint in the note. So maybe maybe this is one we'll save for a future discussion. But I'm still to this day. We haven't seen anything like bad from the librarian, even up until Covet. But ever since the beginning, I have been 
insanely suspicious of the librarian from the start. And she hasn't really done anything wrong. But I just get a feeling about her. And I, I think that, and maybe I'm all wrong, but I feel like something's going to happen in court. Did you um, get any vibes from the books that Grace was mentioning? As she was walking through the library, she was obviously going through the sections. And it wasn't a very typical or normal school library. The The titles that she was reading, the genres that she was reading weren't very standard. Right. Um, and she also mentions the first class um, once she meets Leah. And Leah says, we can talk about classes when we're actually stuck in them. And Grace goes, oh, yeah, um, I suppose witches, like witch hunts in the 1900s wasn't something that I would study back at home. And she was excited for that. And I'm like, wow, like how oblivious do you have to be to not know that your school is a little bit weird when you have an entire class named witch hunts? Yeah, that sounds like something like like a college course for a very specific like historical career path. But for a standard high school, it's a little weird. I will admit, though, first time reading through um, – it went over Skipped my head. Right over it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally went over my head because like I, I've said in past episodes, I thought that this was just vampire story. Like I was I was convinced that this is just a vampire story and everybody at the school is a vampire. <laughs> like Would that's... you do what Leah suggests and go to her room for tea or would you be like, no? Um, You know, that's... That's hard. I think that personally I would, but I definitely would be trusting my instincts a lot more than Grace's because Grace is just any bad vibe she gets, she just immediately pushes it away. And you need to follow your first instincts with things like this. If you're feeling creepy, um, and you know, obviously you should never you shouldn't just judge someone by first impressions. I know that when people meet me, I'm usually awkward. And God, I hope that the way that people perceive me when they first meet me isn't how they maintain their perception. Um, but I think that everyone should always have their wits about them when you get an eerie feeling about someone, especially when that someone does things that are incongruent to the words that are coming out of their mouth. Yeah. And side note, if you meet someone new, don't invite them back to your room for tea on the first time you meet them. Right. So, so fast. Like, it, you, it's so clear that Leah just is not, oh, yeah, let me close this book. Yep, let's get out of the library. Okay, I'm going to touch you out. All right, let's lock the door. Like, she wanted... Tea time. <laughs> yeah, tea time. Tea time and many patties. And maybe, like, maybe she's British. She was. <laughs> she's British. No, she's from Tokyo. See, they also like their tea. They have they like an entire tea ceremony. That's like a, that's. Maybe it's a culture thing. What? I'm, I'm just going to say it. Why, why is it that in fantasy, why is it always the Asian character, the female Asian character that turns out to be the creepy one? <laughs> why? I just don't understand. Why? I don't know whether it's deliberate. Is it, is it deliberate? Is it a trope? Is it something that like. Is it embraced? Like what? I, I why why? And you know when I played the uh the crave like little walkthrough 
game read through uh thing on chapters which for anybody who wants just you know to go through crave but you just want the dialogue you don't want as much of the scene setting and i mean there's cool environments and things you get to see what some of the scenes and bedrooms and things look like but leah's character in chapters she is just kind of a normal looking white girl brown hair they, they didn't give her any particular oh. look she's very <laughs> average you know just normal brown hair looking girl um which was very off-putting because i pictured her to look more like um trying to think the actress that they used in harry potter who touched the cursed necklace um who flew up in the air with the dead like the dead face you know what i'm talking about katie bell what was that katie bell yeah katie bell i the actress that played her is more like how i pictured leah yeah i mean i i don't think i even realized that she was asian on really the first read through she said she's no. from tokyo yeah but i think that that just that scene went over my head yeah I, I feel like it was like it just ignored it for some reason. My brain went not relevant. <laughs> well, I think that that was done on purpose. I think that Tracy really tried to chameleon Lee's, uh, Leah's character in. She tried to, you know, just kind of slip her in and and make her a normal character and no just another person as you know as normal mm -hmm. as Flint and Mackie and and everybody else is. Yeah, and she doesn't have a necessarily. Um, too foreign a name for it to stick out and also when when people say that they're homesick it doesn't necessarily mean that that is the culture that they are from it might just mean that they, that's where they lived right um, right and when she said oh yeah my mum my mum gave it to me because we made tea and and I, I like it when I'm homesick I didn't think oh it's because of her culture I just thought oh maybe her mum just made her a lot of tea yeah, it's because, so British that that's so normal for me. <laughs> right, and I mean Grace talks about her mom making tea as well, so I can see I can see how that could uh, just kind of slip by. Um, you know, second read through that unexpected wind in the hallway. It's something that's just so simple, but stepping out of the library, there was just this icy, unexpected gust of wind, and Leah says something about Grace not being in California anymore. And, you know, I just kind of took it as, oh, eerie, eerie ambience. But do you think that that is uh, similar to the wind that we'll experience in the snowball scene? Or do you think that that was just a scene setting device? I'm not sure because I took more more importance of the conversation. I didn't read about the wind I, I think mm. my brain registered it but it definitely registered the conversation because leah says oh you're not in california anymore and grace said oh how did you know about ah. the fact i lived in california and lucy said oh it must have been part of like one of the assemblies that we had and then directly mentioned san diego it wasn't even a oh yeah i think i vaguely remember california it was i know exactly where you lived yeah i mean and that hit home more than the spooky wind i think because of how much foreshadowing that was yeah and i mean granted california is a 
big state. It is one of the giant states, as is, you know, Texas. You think of the giant states, you think of California and Texas. I lived in California for six years and it's it's huge. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think I did get a little bit of an eerie feeling from it. But then I thought about that assembly that that everybody mentioned Finn had had with the students. And maybe it was just something, you know, slipping through the whispers among the student body. Oh, the new girl from California, you know, she's going to be prissy. She's from California. She's not going to be able to to deal with the cold. I'm sure that there were also whispers about it. So that's another one that just kind of went over my head when it happened. Hmm. So I mean, I, I just think that I got bad vibes from Leah the entire time. So I think I was reading too much into it. But the second read through, I was picking up so many things that I was like annoyed that I missed the first time around. And that was one of them was that Lucy, uh, Lucy. That's the that second Leah time knew. you've done that. <laughs> yeah. I think that my brain is going, I think she needs to be played, played by Lucy Lou. <laughs> <laughs> um, that Leah knew entirely too much about her and was quite willing to have that conversation with her you like you never start a conversation with someone brand new pretend I, I have customers who do it that they come up to me in the middle of the street and go you're amber and i'm like hi um <laughs> hello i'm already at a disadvantage because i don't know who they are and they and they know a lot about my life and they, they speak about my dog as if they're his best friend and like they mention something that I did that week and I forget that I am an internet personality that I I share some of my private life with the public. But it's when it's too. when you're the other side, when you're the other side of it and somebody comes up and has a conversation with you and you don't know who they are, you always feel so violated yeah i've definitely gotten that and i think that that's something that not a lot of people realize and and for those who don't know uh amber and i both run very successful businesses on top of the crave podcast i've got a a humongous youtube channel that amber is frequently on amber is in the uk so she's in a more concentrated area where i think she's more likely to be like recognized out in the crowd though it definitely happens to me quite a bit and when someone walks up and like calls me by name or says my husband's name or mentions my daughter um you know oh how's it taylor up. it's it, it feels like a threat rather than anything because we are not it, it, uh, scott likes to refer to me as a wireless celebrity <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> That's 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 how it feels, though. It can be. I, we I guess shouldn't this, be recognized, and then we are, and then it's really bizarre. Yeah, it's one of those things where I guess this is a lesson to like when you get to meet somebody who, I I don't want to say like a celebrity, but maybe if you're like a, like an author signing or something like that, um, they're just people. Yeah, they're treat just them, people. Treat them like people. That's one thing that I really that kills me. Uh, I've met several of my own fans at large events and things. And then they, uh, they start kind of panic attacks and yes. everything. They we start still go out guys and buy toilet roll. We do. It, it... <laughs> and seeing someone trip over themselves and things like it's, it may, it gives me a panic attack because I'm like, how do I fix it? How do I <laughs> like, I, I want, I need to fix you. Uh, my brain is like, I want to fix it. Um, 
but I'm yeah, not that special. Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, me and Amber were really famous. No, we're... Wildest, guys. Wildest celebrities. 0.1% of the population knows who we are. Um, And then there's you guys. <laughs> in very small circles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In very small business community. And then now we have the, the, the Crave crowd. So we appreciate you. We love you. Um, They might recognize our voice more than our face. Though. Yeah, let's keep it that way. <laughs> oh, so, um... I, I just want to point this one little part out, and I see in your notes that you have a couple things about um about our hudders. But my favorite, oh, like our hudders. But my little favorite part is when Leah's like, "My boyfriend died," and I read that, and I'm like, "Um, excuse me, sweetheart, he's our boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he is not yours." <laughs> he is the world's boyfriend, honey. I think that everybody you need to share. Exactly. We all get to to lay claim here. But um yeah, you I see that you have quite a few more notes than just excuse me, he's our boyfriend in your list. So I'm gonna listen to you for a few minutes. Yeah. So she she mentions that he died a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And like on the first read through, I was like, oh my God, I cannot imagine my partner conking out on me. Like, what would, what would you do? What would you do if they just died? Oh God. And so I had that like secondhand anxiety (laughs) for this person who I didn't really care about. Um, And I was like, oh, maybe that's why she's weird is that this is the first person that she's having a conversation with since it happened. Because when she says a few months, you think, well, what's a few months? You'd say like two or three? Yeah, yeah. Two, three, like four or five at the most. Yeah. So you're like, okay, so it's still really raw. It's still really painful. She doesn't really go into many details about it. So she's still very quiet about it and doesn't want to talk about it. But at the same time, that's probably why she's a little bit weird. And gravitating towards a friend, on, you know? Like, yeah, but then later on, Macy says that it's been nearly a year. I mean, I'd still so, be messed up after a year. Yeah. There is some But it's like almost like, um, you know, what? like when you go through grief and both you and me have gone through grief, that time, it, it, it when you find out that it's been a year, it's almost like a shock. Like, oh, wow. Like, I remember it like yesterday. They can't have possibly not been on this earth for a year that's crazy that's insane like how did the world keep turning without that person here yeah and it's almost worse when a year like rolls around it's like rather than feeling distant from it you feel closer to it as it gets closer to the day when when it happened and it's almost like the day when it hits that year and you know that it's been 365 whole days until they have stood on this earth It's almost like they've died all over again just because you know that you've been there that year without them. And I feel like that is almost as as shattering. Yeah, I just I just I was I I thought, oh, maybe this was just a thing that that Leah was struggling with and had almost skipped those months in her head because they were so painful and that she's been living in her own sort of grief bubble and maybe this is the first time that she's felt comfortable because she was kind of forced her hand grace walked in on her doing something that 
let's be honest, even if you don't know anything about Leah from reading and finishing the book, it was very suspicious. Grace caught her doing something that Leah did not want anybody knowing about. You, you, can't, you can't read the situation in any other scenario. Leah was doing something that was very private and well, Grace caught her. I mean, if if we're going to play devil's advocate here, if I was learning a new language and wasn't even sure if I was speaking it correctly and I was chanting it in a room by myself and someone, a stranger, walked in and interrupted me, I'd probably be pretty ticked too because learning a language is very embarrassing. So I we could play devil's advocate about it. Obviously, we know that that wasn't the case though because we've read the book. Yeah. I just, it just it was it's weird. It was a weird scenario for me, and I think that that was because I couldn't imagine being sixteen, seventeen, losing your boyfriend, and then being in a boarding school in the middle of Alaska, and also you don't have your parents. You don't have your parents anywhere near you. You've lost your circle. Your circle aren't there anymore. Well, there's even more to that, um, because if we think about who Hudson was, Leah probably didn't have a lot of people there to support her because everyone was happy that he was dead. Can you imagine being in love with someone that that you're absolutely obsessed with and they die, not just die, but are killed rather brutally and everyone around you, your friends, the people that you have to see every day are happy that he's gone. Like yeah, that's got to be vilified him and were thankful that he had gone. Exactly. Like that's got to make her this, this is another one of those cases. We we talked about it last week, but I swear I I know that Leah is super duper sketch, but I feel for her on a very she needs therapy. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs therapy now. I need therapy. Grace needs therapy. Leah Leah needs to be first in line for therapy because there's some there's some stuff going on. Um but you know the second read through, remember how I said in our last episode how Grace goes to Leah's room and drinks the tea and how I felt like Leah was trying to get like like a dosage down because she yeah. wants grace to finish that tea and then grace goes back to her room and is sick for like immediately and like, all night not even back to her room she is like outside her room macy asks do you want dinner and then she gets sick yeah and she gets up at three o'clock in the morning to throw up again she wakes up in the morning and feels still a little nauseated like and she just assumes it's altitude sickness. And, and even Macy's like, oh, yeah, but altitude sickness shouldn't last this long. Yeah. I definitely and, feel like Leah was was spiking that tea. Mm-hmm. And it probably would have had a lot worse an effect had she finished it. But I was counting because I had already had my suspicions about the tea before I got to that scene. And she only had two sips. And Leah didn't drink any. I was I was noting that Ooh, as well. That was odd. Like when you invite someone round for tea, you drink it too. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. Hmm. That's that's and 
I mean, especially, you know, when you're, when we're talking about like not a bat, not a tea bag from a box, she's scooping loose leaf tea. Special blend. Yeah. You don't know what's sketchy. Sketchy. You don't know what it is. Mystery tea. So I just, that's about, you know, another one of those things that just went over my head first read through, but rereading, I'm starting to get major major sketchiness from leah way way faster than i did on my first read through and i I think once again it was me listening to the audiobook i stopped listening to the audiobook about halfway through crave and started reading it on my own but the uh the girl who did the the audiobook for Crave in those chapters just gave Leah the friendliest voice and I everything just went over my head so quickly. Even even Leah saying, you know, you can't that you couldn't trust anybody, that that everybody lies. Yeah. And I also think that there was definitely some level of manipulation around it anyway, because I think almost she was happy that Grace stumbled upon her and was checking where everyone was. Oh, so why did you leave the party? Were you not having a good time? Did anybody follow you? Are you on your own? Let me get you back to my bedroom and alone. And, and just, ew. Ooh, yeah. It could have been, I mean, what what realistically would have happened in that moment if for some reason Grace finished that tea and... I mean, what what would Leah have done with her? I mean, we are, we can't go too far until we get to the spoiler half. But really, are you just gonna tuck her into the spare bed and and leave her there for a couple hours until you can drag her off? Like, what what even is gonna happen there? And what is Leah? Is Leah? We see. I don't think we ever find out. But now I'm on the second read-through, I feel like we might. Um, because she does mention in the dungeon scene what Leah is. But I never remember <laughs> reading what she was. Yeah, it's not like a focal point. We don't get a lot of that. Though she does, she is kind of cozied up to Jackson. as, Which is also very strange to me. Um, there's so many spoilers here that I that I want to talk about now. In fact, I'm gonna, I'm making a note for myself. Because there's something that I really want to discuss once the the non-spoilers are out of the room. Okay. Um, sorry to my husband who has to edit out the sound of me writing. <laughs> so, we w- get, you know, Macy freaking out, texting, very confused as to why Grace is in Leah's room. Um, but not, not because it's like a suspicious thing. It's, it's more that she doesn't understand why Grace has suddenly become the focal point of some of the most popular people in school. We've got Leah and then we've got Jackson and then we've got Flint and Grace is just, they're, they're all very obsessed with her out of nowhere, which, you know, that's new girl syndrome in, in any YA book it's if you're the new girl all eyes are on you um so how'd you let the rain go (laughs) yeah everybody's everybody's gonna stare at that new girl and obviously in in every book the new girl doesn't want to be stared at um 
But Macy's very quick to to get Grace out of the room, and Leah's quick to get them out of the room once Macy appears. Yeah, and Macy was very fast. And I mean, obviously, they're on the same level. They're on the same floor. So it wouldn't be too far away from Macy's room. But as soon as she finds out... And, and also that the texting conversation is very similar to like anything that I have with my husband. If he doesn't know where I am, it is a constant stream of tell me now where you are. Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And you're like, okay, I'm good. That is not an answer for anybody who is concerned about your whereabouts. I'm good means nothing. Yeah, absolutely. That could be like your kidnapper is taking your phone and replies, you know? Yeah. Um, and then saying, I'm in Macy's room, uh, I'm in Leah's room, and Macy turns up immediately. And we get from, even Grace is, is noticing that as soon as Macy is there, Leah is not warm anymore. No, she wants them out. She's like, okay, have a great day. Oh, we can do Manny Petties. And then she gives Macy that look like you can come too. And then just slams the door. Like Yeah. And I don't I don't know whether it's because either Leah thinks that Macy will completely guess what's happening. Um uh or she doesn't want uh she's noticed that Grace has already pulled her poured her drink down the drain and doesn't want to be there for the aftermath because she knows that she's going to be really sick. Or she really, really dislikes Macy. Well, Macy really, really disliked Hudson. So it might be it might be that as well. Macy, you know, was one of the was one of the people who said that she wouldn't mourn him. Exactly, exactly. So there could be just some some feelings there. So that's yeah. And then It's all very like Leah the Leah scenes are always the ones that like I was kind of looking forward to covering. Because there's so many things I'm like, oh, why didn't I see that before? Everything and that I comes was out even of her gasping. Mouth. Yeah, I was rereading, and my husband was looking in through the door, and he was like, "Why are you making such weird faces?" And I was <laughs> like, I'm so I'm so angry with myself. Yeah, it's it's a lot more obvious second read through, and then and then going back to the room, and of course when she's getting sick, I'm just thinking, yeah, altitude sickness, that makes sense. I'm just. Yeah. Uh, same with Macy. Another never trust. Uh, that. Yeah. She doesn't finish. She doesn't finish the sentence. She doesn't give any like guesses as to what she was about to say. But the fact that she had already said that about Flint anyway, you can already finish and go. She's probably going to say drastic again, right? Yeah, and Grace didn't think anything of it. it. You know, I think that it's kind of weird that Macy would say that in front of Flint anyway. Like, he's right in the room. Like, yeah. is that is that just a common expression among the students? Oh, you know, never... I Actually, you know what? I think it is. I think it that's like, oh, you know what they say type thing. Yeah. Like, it's... And then, like, he's he's inviting her to a snowball fight, which... It doesn't sound like it would be something that you would be have to be too concerned about. It's a snowball fight. Like, there's no danger to a snowball fight. I mean, maybe in Alaska, the, just the major danger would be, like, hypothermia. But the snowball fight itself wouldn't be concerning. But, yeah, it's... 
they're talking about it as if it's as if it's some huge thing. It's like a de- death threats. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Macy's still like, we got to go. Like, it's going to be crazy. And I know you're sick, but like, we got to go. Do you think go. this was, was this the first time that Macy was invited? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. I believe that this was the first time that it was brought up. Oh, uh, it's like that teenage trope where, like, the teenager gets invited to one of those house parties that she's never, ever been invited to before. She has to go. Well, she, Macy, actually, I don't think she was invited. I think that Flint invited Grace and then it was, uh, you know, well, obviously I'll be going oh, with Macy. She gets invited by default, kind of like with Leah in the face mask. Again, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a double whammy. I would be insulted at that point. Yeah, because because Macy still ha- likes Flint. She's still got a thing for Flint. So, and then Flint kisses Grace's cheek, which once again, I'm just like, why? What? I still say that my little conspiracy is that Flint was trying to get Grace to kind of, you know, fall for him. That way he could have a visible claim on her as to avoid Jackson seeing her as a potential dating option. That's that's how I perceive all of his flirting. Yeah. But I mean, I don't I, I don't know whether that was just him being Flint or whether that was there was there was an angle. I feel like there was because he never does it again. He never he doesn't just no. go. I mean. There's plenty of scenes. And that's not a genuine reason to ever kiss someone on the cheek is, oh, you come into a snowball fight, moi. Yeah. I mean. Bit weird. And and she mentioned something about, like, what she, like, Flint's cute and all, but what I feel for Jackson is way more powerful than what I feel for Flint. So it, it it's clear that it was not supposed to be just like a little like goofy thing, which I don't think that kissing someone is ever just a, a goofy thing to do. Um, I know that there are plenty of cultures where it's more acceptable to kiss cheeks, but I'm, I'm very much on the don't touch somebody like <laughs> ever, ever, <laughs> unless, unless you have, you know, permission or there is absolutely indisputable body language that serves as an invitation to do so. Um, yeah if i kiss this person could i potentially get a punch in the face exactly if if there is a risk even a minute risk then don't do it yeah so we've 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 learned about consent through so many teenage fictions now (laughs) twilight (laughs) jacob jacob mr no consent uh king of the twilight series yeah thing is though with with that scene it was high risk but high reward yeah that if she accepted it he'd be like yes it worked he didn't have anything left to lose he knew that she was about to turn so he's like you know what not not that we're justifying it it's absolutely screw it it was one of the worst scenes in the entire book in his mind though his justification is obviously like i have nothing left to lose so here we go i think and- he i think he had that teenage brain where he was just like oh maybe i need to kiss her for her to understand that she's going to enjoy it yeah and it's like that's not how attraction works no. <laughs> it, i i can be attracted to you without kissing you and i can also kiss you and still not be attracted to you yeah absolutely that's I think that that there is a big I can make you love me 
mindset in in teen yeah. romance, but they're that's just not how those chemicals work. You can't make someone love you, and I think that that's the one big flaw of most uh, YA and and teen romance. And that's one thing that I really like about what Tracy does is, you know, what, let's let's go ahead and wolf wolf howl it out. Hurry up, wolf! Finish your howl. Up. Okay. Um, so everybody who hasn't finished Crave chapters 11 through 14, um, or no, I'm sorry, the whole series. If you haven't finished the series, you might want to scoot out because we're about to get into spoiler topics. Just remember to enter the, the giveaway, post a photo screenshot, uh, picture of yourself in front of your screen. We just need to see the Crave the Book podcast screen from whatever your preferred listening app or YouTube is and use the hashtag Crave podcast giveaway somewhere in that post. Make sure that you do it in your feed, not your stories. And we will be choosing a winner on September 27th, which is next Monday or this upcoming Monday. So, um, all right. Back to spoilers. Spoilers. So, um, yay. A couple things. My favorite part. Yes, this is the best part because I can just like unleash and not have to worry about ruining anybody's day. Um, I think, and I said it in our last episode with Flint, I really, really am hanging on to that. He is trying to lay a claim on grace to keep the order at bay and to keep Jackson at bay so that killing Grace will be not just easier, but so that Jackson doesn't form an attraction to her and thus break Jackson's heart because we know that Flint is in love with Jackson. That's, and I think that this is just more evidence of that. Yeah. And we also know that Flint is gay, like 100% yeah. gay. So even if he decides to have a relationship, even a pretend relationship with, with Grace to save Jackson the heartbreak of watching her die, he's never going to fall in love with her. No. Because he's gay. But that doesn't ever take away from the fact that he could still form an, like a friendship with her. Which he does. So I think that, yeah, and it, like, he already knows that there's chemistry between them and it's not forced either it's not him acting um not he's not genuine he's not not genuine at any point so clearly there is chemistry and charisma between them so he can't possibly think that she's that rubbish of a person that he wouldn't care about having to kill her anyway so it would literally just be to save Jackson from that heartbreak. Yeah. You know, I'll be honest. If I, if I were allowed to remove anything from the plot of all of the books, if I were to have all the books lined up and I were given the option to remove something, um, I would remove Flint trying to kill Grace because I don't think that it contributed much to the story. If anything, I think that it led us down a path that, I mean, it's always good to have twists and turns, I love when there's, you know, that, oh, what a twist moment. I, I felt that way with Leah. But I feel like it did more harm to Flint's character than good when we should be trusting Flint pretty much the whole story because he that that action was so incongruent. And I would have rather seen 
Nuri come in and try to kill her or even have like a thing where Nuri tried to convince him to try to kill her and maybe he didn't want to. I, I wish that there was just more there rather than Flint making that decision because it just doesn't feel congruent with with who he is even at the start of Crave. And, and obviously he pays for it mentally in Covet. Um, but poor boy, I, I don't feel like Tracy knew how important Flint would someday be to the story. And if she were to look back, you know, maybe she would have changed things as well. I also, I, I think that it probably will happen when I go through my second read through of that scene but it's almost like a, how did he know that Leah was planning on killing her enough to know that if he killed her first, Leah wouldn't be able to bring back Hudson. Well, yeah. Like maybe he would have had more leverage with the, with the idea if he thought, well, if I kill her, I get to bring back someone I love and that would be my brother and not Hudson. Then I might have been able to get on board with that, that he would he would do anything. He would sacrifice anything to have his brother back. But I think deep down he knew that his brother was just as bad. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, this is another one of those situations with the librarian where Flint was also in the back of the library reading the book. I think the same book that that Leah had been reading, probably trying to figure out what Leah was up to. And then the librarian writes that note, um, which offhand I can't even remember what it is, but I think that that'll be covered in our our next episode or the the episode afterwards. There's just, I have a lot of questions and, you know, it might yeah. be, it could p totally be one of those things where Tracy didn't know what direction she wanted to do. First books of a series, there's always little t ends that just, you know, that didn't get tied. I, I seldom read a series where the first book all of the loose ends get tied because usually the author doesn't know exactly what they want to do. So they give themselves a lot of little routes that they could take and not all of those routes get answered, but that's a, that's a cool thing because it leaves us room to interpret and come up with our own theories. And sometimes our theories are more fun than anything that the author could have incorporated in. Yeah. And it just, I think I need to read through it again it's because I I think I went through that scene not really understanding what was going on or at least as far as I remember um because it was a very fast paced scene and obviously Grace who who was very confused as to what was happening herself probably wasn't understanding what was actually happening to her um and in a lot of pain she was losing a lot of blood um like, did Leah have a contingency plan for it not working? Um, why did it have to specifically be Grace as well? Yeah, um, yeah. And and Leah knows that she's special. She says, do you really think that you're just human? And when I re read that scene, I thought that she went, oh, well, you're Jackson's mate and that's why you're special. But I, d I don't think that she was referring to that at all. Well, her here's the thing. If Leah killed Grace's parents, if that's legitimately what happened when we don't find out otherwise in, in court when that comes out in February, if that is genuinely what happened, um, you know, and this is just kind of piecing together based on what I've read from, from Witch's Court, Grace's parents were very aware that Grace was 
an earth elemental. That's and I know I don't think that you've read that uh, those chapters yet, have you? The, Not yet. Okay. No. They know. They take her hiking. Spoilers. Spoilers. Big spoilers. I needed to take a warning from the wolf thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. I won't. I won't ruin it for you. But they. They know very much. They. They see it happen. They see her magic. Um. And they are trying to shield her from the world. They don't want her because they know she's powerful. And it's one of those things where they're trying to contain her and keep her safe. Um. And. The, the whole thing with Jackson and Grace and the blood letter, like that was all arranged by them. So I think that there's more to it than that. I think that, that I, Leah had to have known that Grace was destined to be with Jackson. And maybe it was one of those things where my mate was killed by Jackson. Therefore I must take Jackson's mate. Yeah. I mean, it didn't seem very, like, vitriolic and, um, what's the word? Vengeful. It seemed like Grace was the only option, which was just very odd to me. But I think that I need to read through that. And then also the witch's court um, to kind of fill in the gaps. But you saying that her parents were very aware of her magic does make me think that when she mentions the tea that her mother made her, and using all of her special blends, like Leah was, makes me think that they were hiding her using ah, tea. Yeah, like maybe they were masking it. Because, I mean, Grace was, she was 10, I believe, in Witch's Court when she was showing power. She would remember that. She was 10. She would remember yeah. being able to do freaky things. And... Uh, and want to do them again, because it's not... like. As a kid, when you find out that you can do something really cool or really special, you keep doing it, yeah. even if it's not cool to the rest of the audience. Absolutely. And I, I like, mom, watch me, watch me. <laughs> there's something mind altering going on. I think you're right. I think that there's something with the tea that don't don't drink the tea, guys. Just don't drink the tea. Amber, don't. Unless you come to Amber's house. Unless you come to Amber's house and then you can drink the tea. Um, But yeah, it's. I feel like there's a lot that I hope that we get in court. And thank Tracy. Oh my God. She wrote us like, what the, What was it? Like a thousand page book or something ridiculous. It's it's going to be a huge book. I'm so excited to hold it in my hands. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to just read it way too fast. Um, so. Yeah. We're not going to read it at the same pace either. Like no. this is the moment that we get it in our hands. And also I'm not even sure whether the release date will be the same for the US as the UK. I'm going to be so mad if you get it before me. Well, you'll be able to get it on Kindle. I'll get... Good point. Yeah, we can get it. We can make sure that we get it same day. I'm going to get the hardback. Um, I think I already have it pre-ordered. I have it... Actually, I have it pre-ordered twice. I have it pre-ordered for the normal cover and the bookish box cover, which will come a little bit after. But, um... So, another little thing is... When Grace starts to like walk in the library, she gets that bad feeling. Is is this her first connection, the first voice from the unkillable beast? I don't know, because I still I still am like mm, iffy about the unkillable beast vibe with like the, the danger and things like that. Because I also think that there's something to be said about her own intuition as well. Is that it can't all be the unkillable beast telling her what is wrong and what's not. 
unless she's still under the influence of the magical tea that has made her completely oblivious to everything magic because she seems to be really dumb. Yeah. And, you know, the unkillable beast, I feel like that's... It's such... Do you think that's the tea wearing off? That all she was... She had this connection with the unkillable beast the whole time, but then her parents gave her the tea and then it dampened it and now her parents have been gone for a month. She's not been drinking the tea. That, and you know, she turned, it's only, the, the book one is like the course of a week. I believe it is over the course of a week. Everything happens in, in one week. And if that's the case, then she's only been without her parents for a very, very short time. And then she, obviously, when, when Hudson appears with the sword, her powers are like on just overdrive. Um, but this is not the only time with Witch's Court, we know that it's not the only time that she has turned to stone. Um, she does do it as a child. So it's not like this is the first time it's happened. I think you're right. I think it's just the first time that she remembers it happening because it seems very much like her mind has been altered to kind of push out for her own safety um, you know, all of these things that tie back to the magical world. I think every tween book goes through that. My parents knew it all along. Yeah. Kind of parents are the thing. enemies. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there was another thing you had talked about, and I didn't catch where you had said that Leah said that her boyfriend died a few months ago. Macy said last year, but they also said in these chapters that Hudson graduated a year before he died. Why did he resume normal classes at Catmere Academy if he had already graduated? Because when um, he came back, he started back in normal classes, right? He wasn't just living at Catmere. He resumed. Don't know. Maybe the thing he, is, he he was at school with his brother, and they didn't get on. So it wasn't like he was like I've stayed back to protect my brother. And he would but maybe he did, despite Jackson not being aware that that was why he did it. He would have to be like nineteen years old if he graduated a whole year before he died. That would put him at like nineteen, right? Yeah. And, and then a whole year has also then passed. So did he stay 19 or is now he's 20? What, what, what does he celebrate his 20th birthday or does he celebrate his 19th birthday? I have many, many questions. But do they um, celebrate birthdays from... the same way? Because he wouldn't even be that old because he'd still be like <laughs> hundreds like, oh, of years older than that. Not my like 400th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, also coming from from me who has experience with it. If I graduated, I wouldn't want to go back home to those parents. Oh, no. I'll stay at the school. So, yeah, maybe, maybe it was just a choice that he just did not want to go back home. Yeah, and and thankfully, Finn, I mean, even with everything that happened in Covet and them wanting to, you know, take him away, Finn was like, nah, you can stay here. <laughs> So it might have just yeah. been more of like a refuge thing. Like we know that you literally don't have anywhere else to go and your brother's here and your girlfriend's here. So you can just stay here. Pro in fact, you know, it's probably for the best that you're here so we can keep an eye on you. 
Well, so shall we move into the fan question of the week? Yeah, so we've actually expended our pool that we had originally because a lot of the questions, though you guys ask them, they're questions that we kind of covered in depth in other episodes. Um, So I went ahead and asked today for additional questions. Now, one I would like to read real quick because we actually covered it today and I, I I just want you to know that we are acknowledging your question. Uh, Somebody had said, how could Grace have gone her whole life without knowing that there was something different about her? And the reason I'm reading that is because Witch's Court. Go read Witch's Court. If you don't have that version of Covet, just Google Covet bonus chapters, Witch's Court, and you should be able to find them. Somebody posted them on Reddit. Um, There are several versions of Covet. One with the Dragon Court bonus chapters, one with the Vampire Court bonus chapters, one with the Witch's Court bonus chapters. And then when the Bookish Box version comes out in February, we will get the Gargoyle Court bonus chapters as well. But uh, Grace knew. How long are they? How long are... uh, You get one chapter from the... Okay, so Witch's Court, you get one chapter from Macy, and then you get one chapter giving the backstory of um, Grace. Then Vampire Court, you get one bonus chapter from Hudson, which takes place right after uh, Jackson's meltdown in Covet when he says, you know, that he's all messed up. And Grace kind of admits, like, I have to get back with Jackson. I have to. We have to break mine and Hudson's mating bond. And Hudson goes back to his room defeated. But the bonus chapter for that talks about... um, Delilah and Cyrus and how they get together. So that one's really interesting. And then Dragon Court, we get a bonus chapter at the Dragon Court from Flint. One of the mornings after uh, Grace and Hudson spend the night together at the Dragon Court, um, Flint wakes her up early in the morning and takes her out on a little, for like a little fun thing. Um, And that is the first chapter. And then the second chapter is how Nuri and uh, Aiden meet. And it's from Aiden's perspective. So it's basically the history of, of how they meet. So those are all bonus. And then I assume that Dragon Court, or not Dragon, uh, Gargoyle Court will be more about, you know, how we... Uh, Unkillable Beast. Yeah, I'm hoping. But Witch's Court, it's really interesting because Witch's Court, the bonus cha- first bonus chapter is from Macy. Second bonus chapter is about Grace's parents. Whereas all of the other courts are kind of exta- establishing how the mates of the court met. Whereas Witch's Court just talks about Grace's parents. So that leads me to have a little bit of suspicion. And they also mention uh, Macy's mom. They need to contact someone foster about grace's powers and it was a female name it has to be macy's mom so yeah that bonus chapter is the only incongruent one it's the one that if you can't get your hands on any of the other bonus chapters get witch's court that's the most significant i'll have to to give them a read yeah at some point maybe before the giveaway so that we can talk about it in the next podcast episode yeah i have those stowed away in our trello board if you need them but um so let's go ahead and we'll pull a question a a different one because we had a lot of great ones i'm going to go ahead and pull um this one because i think it'll be the most fun 
If you could have anyone's powers, whose would you want? Ooh. We 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 all know that I'm I'm Team Macy, so I I, I would want to be able to make portals. I'm, I'm I'm very much an assistance person. I never want to be on the front lines. I want to be like the support character. Be, yeah. <laughs> um. So I I think that I would want to I want to want to be Macy, but I really quite dig Grace's powers, and I think that's because it's new. It's not it's not a a supernatural creature that I've ever read about or or imagined I could be because is so new to the world of literature that I that at least I have experienced. Um and I feel like there's so much that she hasn't discovered yet because no one knows about gargoyles. Yeah. I think that What about what about you? I think I would need to know a little bit more because I do think that Grace has some more potential. I I would need to know more to say for sure. Um I would definitely be digging Hudson's powers though because I do not feel that I am the support <laughs> character. I am the tank who would rather be on the front lines and I would love to have enough power that people that I would, would never need to use my power. I think that what's great about Hudson is everyone knows how powerful he is, therefore he does not even have to use it. Now, at the same time, if I could magically do my makeup every morning and not have to draw my eyebrows on by hand, I'd probably like to have that power as well. So I think it just depends on the practicality of the power. If I'm living an everyday life and everything's normal and good and well, and I'm in my current life right now, but I just have a power, I would want Macy's simply because I think that the convenience factor of having a clean house, making the bed, doing my makeup, it would make my day-to-day life easier. However, if I was in the role of the characters right now with an impending war, I would definitely want Hudson's powers. Yeah, I think being being Macy would mean that I would get to try out like... For example, I really want a nose piercing, but I don't want to get the piercing if it's not going to suit me. But I can't get the piercing without knowing that it's going to suit me. But being Grip Macy, I'd be able to just glamour one on me and going, yes, this suits me. I'm going to get one. Same with a tattoo. I want another tattoo. I don't know what I want. I would just try out different tattoos every single day. until <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, this one's the permanent one. Like this is the one that's you need you need to get one of those like tattoos that lasts like three weeks one of those semi permanent <laughs> try it on like, water based one and and I would dye I would dye my hair so many different colors and actually like you you watch me we Marco Polo when I dyed my hair blue and it was so bad <laughs> it wasn't blue yeah I'm my hair is so fried because my hair has been every color other than green um and. Even even taking very good care of my hair the way that I do, it it is always kind of got a, a straw-like texture to it. So I would definitely be digging being able to just change it whenever I want. And that's one thing, you know, when you read the books, do you change Macy's hair as you read? Like the way that you see her, does it change or do you forget sometimes? Oh, no, I, I read her like Tonks. Where she's just very, very... Like you're able to change and make it fluid and not just have one person. Yeah, like she goes through every day and depending on her mood, she's like a mood ring. Yeah, yeah. I um so first book is rainbow hair, second book is pink hair, third book is black hair. That one I had trouble with. I could not 
keep her hair black in my mind, it always went back to pink. Yeah, I think that she probably had to stay very conservative with what she chose for the first book because Grace goes through mo- most of it not knowing yeah, what she true. is. So she she couldn't just change it mid-conversation. But I I would like to believe that she could just go, do you know what? Today is a blue day. Yeah. That, that and, and I have synesthesia. So if you guys don't know what synesthesia is, is that I see sound and I taste colors. So color is a very important thing for me. And I would love to be able to match my hair with my mood because people might be able to read me a bit better and go, okay, Amber's off limits today. Yeah. And then you could just tell your friends, like, if my hair is red, you stay away. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, this was a good question, though, because it leads us into our fan poll of the week, which I actually took screenshots of uh, way earlier than Amber did. Amber has more accurate answers. So if your screen goes from dark mode to light mode, if you're watching this on YouTube, that's because they were taken at different times. Um, But yeah, we've got some really, really great answers here. So we asked you guys a couple different questions about different powers and which you would rather have last Wingo Wednesday. And for those who don't already follow us, if you would like to answer these polls, because we have had a couple people message us and ask, and you want your, you know, to be able to influence what we say during the podcast, they take place in our stories on Instagram, not our feed. So all you have to do is follow us at Crave Series Aesthetic. And on Wednesdays during our Wingo Wednesday polls, we usually do some some fun things and we ask you guys questions and those are what we discuss during the podcast. So um, one of the questions that we had was, would you rather have super hearing or see in the dark? Uh, Amber, what do you think those answers looked like? Because we had a lot of responses. I think... Most people would see in the dark as more important. Yeah, I think I think most people would want to be able to see in the dark because it's convenient. It's like a okay, now I can drive in the dark. Now I can I can just go out and I don't need to like squint at anything. Or oh, the amount of times that you need to go to the toilet in the middle of the night and you can't <laughs> find out where you're going, uh, especially when you go and stay in somebody else's house. That's awful, isn't it? Maybe trying to sneak to the bathroom in a house you don't know the layout. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yep, and and you were right. It was, well, you know, it's actually pretty close. 158 votes for C in the Dark and 144 for Super Hearing. I would not want Super Hearing because I am very much an anxious person who always imagines what people are saying about me, and I don't particularly want to know if someone's talking about me. Um, I would rather just stay oblivious. So I would prefer to see in the Dark. <laughs> See, I, I already kind of have super hearing. So with my synesthesia, um, I also have this this other sensory deficit thing where I can hear more sounds that are not speech. So when I'm in a room with people, if they're having a conversation with me, I can hear everything else in the room louder than their voice. It, it's like my brain is really struggling to actually filter out those external sounds so I can hear my necklace moving on my neck and I can hear like plates being clattered in two rooms across from me but I can't hear the person who is directly in front of me and I actually have to lip read what they're saying 
Um, and I visually see when people speak, I see subtitles in front of my head. It is written out as they are speaking. And my brain likes to fill in the gaps for when I don't hear what they're saying. And the amount of times that I get it embarrassingly wrong. Like, did you just say, I like to smell cats? And they're like, <laughs> no, no, I did not just say that. I, I have to make it up. So I would absolutely not like super hearing because I already hear too much for me to be able to have a normal conversation with anybody. But seeing in the dark is very useful and might involve me not kicking the side of the bed when I get up in the middle of the night. Yeah, it seems a lot more practical. I very much have issues with with uh, sensory, especially sounds. And I'm kind of in the same boat, but everything to me comes in at one volume, no matter what it is. So I take in all sounds at once. And that <laughs> causes me to talk very, very loudly in public settings if I'm hearing, like, if we're in a restaurant and there's a lot of voices around me. I'm intaking them all at the same volume. No, nothing is quieter than anything else. I'm hearing everything as one large sound rather than individual sounds. And I have to amplify my own volume. And I feel like being able to hear more than what I already do here, it would be like like when a train goes by and you've got a dog, you know, how they'll, you can just see them wince by the, by the train horn. Like it just, yeah. it feels like it would be too much. Um I see I do the opposite if anything I'm very very quiet when I speak um so a lot of people don't hear me and then I I get really self-conscious when somebody tells me that I'm being too loud and I immediately then go like way too quiet yeah and I'll match their volume so if my husband is screaming at me from across the house because he wants to get my attention, I'll match his volume, but I'll match his volume as I hear it, not as <laughs> he's projected it. And he's like, I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I would, I feel like seeing in the dark would help my anxiety more than being able to hear better. So I would definitely Or would say. it? Um, the amount of things that you kind of see in the dark. You know, is that a person? Oh no, it's just a dressing gown. I would, yeah, I could be like, okay, that's that is not a scary monster at the end of my bed. Like, I would be able to differentiate <laughs> spooky things much easier. Um, this is a good one. I'll let you once again decide which one you think that more people voted for. God, we had a lot of votes on on this week. Um, so move things with your mind, or control the elements. I think that controlling the elements is cool is a cool ability whereas move things with your mind is a convenience thing i think most people would go with the cool being able to control fire or water or air rather than telekinesis am i right yes uh 108 for move things with your mind and 168 for control of the elements. And I feel very much that if you're controlling the elements, you're moving things with your mind. You're just moving elements with your mind. So Yeah, I think that I tried to I tried to set it out as you can either control everything but really mundane objects. Ah. Or you can control things like fire and water and stuff, but nothing else. Because I feel like telekinesis has to be a tangible object. You you I don't think that telekinesis involves things that are elemental. No, I think I that's that's how I would take it. Which which would you choose? Oh, elements, elements for sure. 
<laughs> it's cooler. Yeah. I think that I'm very practical and I'd be like, if I could just carry everything with my mind, that would be great. You would you would be the person who only has to take one trip to the car after the grocery yes, store. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And I wouldn't even need all of the carrier bags. I would just be like, yeah, everything just up in the air. Yeah. I would use it so often. All right. So the next one, this one is so interesting. It's probably the most interesting out of all of them. Would you rather cheat death or cure others? I think we have a lot of empaths because because we're all avid readers. We all have to kind of put ourselves in somebody else's shoes to be able to appreciate the story and to feel the emotions. Um, and I also think that a lot of people, if they click cheat death, they probably feel a little bit dickish. Because then they're choosing that over curing their friends and their family. Uh, so I'm going to say that most people chose cure others. Yes. 68 for cheat death. 230 for oh cure gosh. others. And, you know, wow. I've always said that I personally am not afraid to die. The act of dying does not scare me. I am not afraid of what comes after. Um, I feel that when you die, it is the same as before you were born. I, I have no fear of what's on the other side. What I am afraid of is seeing what kills me. I do not want to see what kills me. So cheating death, I feel that no matter what, I will see what kills me. I'm just able to cheat it. So I will already see the thing that I am most afraid of. Curing others, I have no control when I watch someone else that I love die and, you know, the people that I love are more important to me than anything else. And that's one of the things that we've talked about in the past with Covet, where Grace, she isn't affected by the, uh, the Ethereum, by the, um, oh, what was it called? The, not the pit, not Hex, uh, Chamber. She's not affected by the Chamber Remy grabs her and they're not affected. It's Flint and Calder and Hudson who are affected. However, seeing her friends in that much distress is Grace's ultimate hell. That is her punishment. I don't think that there is anything worse in her life than seeing her friends go through that. I feel very much the same. Where the worst thing that I could ever see is someone that I love being you know, in pain or dying and me not being able to do anything about it and the ability to cure someone else. I mean, even, even if you want to take a selfish route to this, if you could cure others, can you imagine how much money you could make in the medical industry? <laughs> like <laughs> you could be, you could be Carlisle Cullen. Like there's so much that you could do. Yeah. And I, I also think that there's no point cheating death if you've not really got anybody around you that survived yeah yeah how long do you cheat death until you don't care anymore yeah and i wouldn't want to live forever it would get boring oh yeah unless you can keep switching it up and these teenage uh, these teenage vampires why are they always at school yeah i know that that is not where i would want i mean uh, granted granted the cat academy seems to be a much more constructive place than forks high school 
Uh, <laughs> however, in, in Midnight Sun, we do get a glimpse of Edward's mind where he says that it is like their sleep. It is so monotonous that that to them is their rest. They can go and not only yeah, and they can listen to what what other kids are saying about them to see if there's any suspicion because if anybody is going to talk smack about the weird the weird people that live in town, it's going to be the kids at the school. And that's the best place that they can do almost their surveillance work. So it makes sense to me. Still not my choice of eternity. No. And also when I said cheat death, I never said that you wouldn't just keep aging. <laughs> that's true. You could just get old and old and frail and frail. Just so be like a little raisin. Yeah. All right. Next one is read others thoughts or so Edward Cullen it read others thoughts or feel others emotions so you're you're basically asking us to pick Edward or Jasper here yeah i'm going to say emotions i would not want to hear what anybody thought of me i'd like to live my 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 life in ignorant bliss thinking that people love me ooh you are not the majority then, because 213 said that they would rather read others' thoughts, uh, and 90 people said feel others' emotions. I would say I would rather read others' thoughts, and my reason for that is I feel that in this day and age, there is a lot of what I call learned helplessness. Um, it is the mindset in which we are so low and we are so far down that we feel that we cannot crawl out of it and there is no happiness in the world and there never will be. This is the most toxic mindset to have because once you convince yourself that there is no better future, there will not be a better future because you will teach yourself and you will put, you will train your brain, the neural pathways in your brain to expect only bad. And that is why um, surrounding yourself with things that are positive is the best way to be a happier person. If you were able to feel the emotions of others at all times and you surrounded yourself with the wrong people, you would find yourself in a perpetual state of distress. So I would not want to feel that at all. I would rather know what they're thinking and then navigate myself around that. Interesting. Yeah. But then, then I don't, I don't really interact with a lot of people. So, yeah. If I mean, just... reading others' thoughts would be very helpful in a relationship because the amount of times that I'm like, what, what are you thinking? Because I, I, I can't, I can't guess. Um, I mean, me and my husband are pretty much on the same wavelength quite a lot of the time, but he does sometimes believe that he's had an entire conversation with me, but it was just in his head. <laughs> oh yeah, that's. That has happened multiple, multiple times in my life. You could skip to the punchline with jokes. And I feel like jokes form a very, very big part of my life. <laughs> and I I don't want to read. Like, I, re I, I watch a lot of comedies with the subtitles because I genuinely can't understand what's going on. And it really does ruin the show. Because you see the punchline before yeah. it's funny. Let's see. All right. Ability to fly or ability to turn invisible? Invisible. Yes, that's what most people said. I, it's actually close. 149 for fly, 158 for invisible. I would prefer to fly simply because I think that it would be a lot better for, for transportation purposes. I would much rather do that because you're <laughs> Save more... Save the planet. Uh, you are so... The likelihood of dying in a car crash is so high. 
It is so high. It is dramatically high, way higher than flying in a plane. Um, so if I were just able to See, zip around, Grace's parents died. That's yeah, exactly. And they and they, I mean, at least her dad we know had some had some power. So, um, I would definitely choose invisible because I am terrified of heights. Like, the thing is, right? When I say that I'm terrified of heights, I am terrified of not being in control of my own body. So I'm probably going to fall over and tip over the edge and die. And if I'm in control of the flight myself, then <laughs> I'm definitely going to be terrified the whole time. But it could cure me. Yeah, because you're more in control. You get to choose. So you could start small and, and work up to it. I just don't see any... And if I fly, then there would be no... There would no be no fear of falling because I know I could save myself. Yeah, it's all you. You could at least lessen your fall a bit, you know, as long as you had wings. And and if you were Jackson, you could just float like like a blimp. <laughs> um, the next one is another really close one. Super hearing or see. Oh, wait, did we already do that one? Yes. Oh, well, that's never mind. Then the next one isn't close at all. Super strength or super speed speed yes speed everybody said speed uh well 80, 83 for strength 219 for speed are we talking like like oh, wow big jump yeah are we talking like um like how jackson just kind of like shifts through time or are we talking about edward cullen zipping through the woods what type of speed are we talking about i liked i liked the imagery of fading i thought that that was really cool yeah um like a shuddering like just zipping yeah. in. Um and I and I and I imagine that super strength would be more like Bella when she first turns vampire, where she's just crumbling the rock between her fingers. Like it's not like uh, she has to exert herself. It just is really just so easy. Because there are people that they can train and train and train and train for years to be the weightlifters and they can just lift really, really heavy things. I'm talking about just Every fiber of your body is built to be strong. That also comes with the need to be to have restraint as well, um, because Bella almost—I yeah. mean, Bella breaks things. Edward breaks things. Edward is afraid he'll break Bella. Bella is afraid she'll break Edward when she turns. So there, you also have to have a great deal of restraint or of uh, restraint when it comes to that, and the risk there is very, very high in the event that you were to slip. And think of opening all those jam jars. I know that would be, that's what everybody would want you for is opening everything. <laughs> all right. And carrying the shopping, which I could either do with my arms <laughs> or, you, or, or I could got... teleport it all. <laughs> uh, let's see. Last one. Wow. I don't agree with this at all. Um, <laughs> continual lucky streak or dreams that tell the future. I would want the lucky streak because the dreams that tell the future might not necessarily be good ones. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, but apparently they're not with us. Well, it's not that bad, I guess. 103 for continual lucky streak and 191 for dreams that tell the future. I don't want to know the future because no. it's likely that there are things that I don't want to happen that no matter what powers I possess, I won't be able to prevent. I would rather not know. Um, 
just like and you can also be a self-fulfilling prophecy as well is that if you see that it's going to happen and you try everything you can for it to not happen it could end up happening anyway because of what you did um and and you you would be blamed for it you you would blame yourself for letting it happen even if you had no control over it whereas a continuous lucky streak um have you watched deadpool 2 with yes. domino like that was how i was imagining it was that you just walk through things unscathed just by just sheer luck and i thought that that was such a cool it was a, such a stupid and pointless power to explain to anybody until those scenes where she was just because no one she believed was timed her. To perfection. Yeah. It was just timed to perfection. Yeah, and she was a great character too. Yeah, I hope she comes back for Deadpool <laughs> three. Me, me and you, we we simp over Ryan Reynolds all the time anyway. So yes. Deadpool three will always be welcomed, even if she's not part of it. But she does really cool make like make the franchise pretty cool. We've had somebody say that um that he should be Finn, which you know I'm still. Brendan Fraser for Finn, guys. Mm. Hashtag Brendan Fraser for Finn. But Ryan Reynolds, you know, he's, I mean, he, I, as long as he's not the evil guy, I think I'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because it's not just like, oh, Hudson evil, where like, oh, we can like fantasize about the evil character. No, their dad is gross. Like, I absolutely hate him. He is the worst kind of person because he is so manipulative and terrifying. Do you know who I imagine who would be really, really good? Who? David Tennant. Okay. I said, uh... Because if if in um, Jessica Jones, he plays this really manipulative guy. I think it's called, like, Purple, Mr. Purple? Or was it? I can't remember his name. But he is really creepy, and he's got a British accent. For Cyrus, right? Yeah. Um... I don't know what it is about the fact that he just plays a really good evil villain and a really manipulative one at that. And then also he has a British accent. Um, but I think you said Keanu Reeves, didn't you? Yeah, just because of the 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 hair tied back. I think that I think that he would. He's so wholesome, though. I know, but he's very intimidating. He's whole. Like, I know. That's what I he like can play about an evil him. Character is, if he wants to, he plays serious, very spooky roles, and he's super duper intimidating. But then you know you can't hate him because he's such a good person. Um, I just I think I think uh, David Tennant. But then that's who I imagine. I mean, they might go for a completely new member for the cast that we've never seen before at all, and they might be perfect. I almost I think the thing that. is right. Whoever we decide to be Hudson, right? We we could we could dream um the best Hudson because I see a lot within the Facebook groups of where people see they see specific people as their Hudson. I think Hudson needs to be someone completely new who is perfect for the role because if if they are choosing based on looks alone, they are not Hudson. That's true. That's very, very true. And, you know, you can do anything to change how someone kind of looks. Um, but the personality is the most important thing for characters like Hudson, because that's what you fall in love with. Mm, I'm so. going to be just so disappointed if they were like, oh, yeah, well, he has blue eyes and he has a British accent and he, he can wear an Armani suit really well. And I'm like, yeah, but he's just not Hudson. That's how I felt about Robert Pattinson as as Edward. I didn't think that he would all fit the role. However, um, what Jamie Dornan 
Doran. Oh yeah, yeah. For Christian um, Gray. Christian Gray. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. He he gave me just the best creeper vibes while still being like <laughs> a very attractive person. I thought that like that was a fantastic choice and the awkwardness. I I loved it. Um, I think that and the um, what's her name who plays uh, Anna? Um, uh, Dakota Johnson. She was a fantastic Anna. I think that that was my favorite casting from. Uh, book to film was Fifty Shades. I think that they did a fantastic job. Assuming that our audience is even old enough to to read Fifty Shades, I know some she doesn't of you even are. change her char- her character for it either. Like she, that that is Dakota Johnson. Oh, it is. <laughs> and and when I read the books, that's who I see is Dakota Johnson. I love her. Um, so we asked you guys our question to you this week was. Did you trust Leah when she first took Grace to her room for tea? And we got a lot of different answers here. Um, you already know mine and Amber's answers. I think that we've we spent a great deal of time talking about how we don't like nice people. Yeah, we hate nice people who offer us tea and <laughs> mani patties. It's just that's disgusting behavior. No one should ever do it. Um, no, no one should ever see my toes. Oh yeah, no toes. <laughs> But most of you said no. You didn't trust her either. We had nope. There was always something weird about her. I had the feeling from the start. Uh, someone said I remember thinking that there was something off with it. She was always sketchy. Someone said I did, but something told me I shouldn't. I don't know why, but I had this feeling while reading. And yeah, you know, I kind of felt like that too, where it was like, you know, she's just being so nice. Like, see, I I thought that. When Grace caught her reading the book, the first time that we were reading it through, when she she caught Leah reading this book and things like that, I thought that Leah was steering her out of the room and just being very weird and giving her amnesia tea because Grace had noticed something magical that she wasn't supposed to know yet. And that she was just doing her due diligence as a creepy little student, making sure that Grace was unaware that she was at a supernatural school. As everyone else did. Yeah. That they were all like really weird and really like they would lie to her, <laughs> but she just went one step further and gave us some amnesia tea. And it wasn't until the second read through where I made the direct correlation between her drinking the tea and being sick. Um, I just thought, oh, maybe she just was like trying to get her to forget what she had read, especially as as soon as Leah mentioned the language. Grace recognized the name of the language. Yeah. I did a bit of Googling. That is not a language anyone should know really anything about. It's really cool what I learned. Um, it, so it's a Mesopotamian language. It's from like 25 BC. Like the crazy, crazy, crazy language. Let me let me find out. Uh, it was actually mid third millennium bc so the 25th or 24th century bc that's such an old language no one should know about it but grace does what a coincidence so i was like oh maybe she knows this about like from her mum reading these creepy texts or her dad because her dad was a warlock wasn't he yes so i was like oh maybe she just knows about it because her parents have kind of spoken about it and it's just in the back of her mind but then grace never mentions liking languages again yeah (laughs) just like her being able to play the drums it just disappeared 
Yeah, and um, I started. I don't I, see. I never remember whether I've even spoken about it in the podcast before. But so I, I studied applied languages. So I went to university to study languages and linguistics and phonetics and and things like that, and going into the etymology of language. So how words evolved and became what they were. So for example, when you read "y e old shop." People say ye olde shop, <laughs> but the Y is actually th. Ah. That's where the word the came from, but nobody knew that. So when they read the Y, ye olde shop, yeah, ye old. and the word thou came from th, and now it is you. Ah, see. So I was like, oh, this is this. I was having a proper little like nerd out when she was talking about languages. I was like, oh my God, I hope that this book is like more about her like understanding words and spells. And no, nope. no, it, it disappeared as fast as it came into the book. Plot device, just plot device. I was really nerding out and I was so excited. And I was like, oh, oh, it was never mentioned again. <laughs> Yeah, somebody said, no, she was literally caught reading an ancient book written in a dead language. Red flag. Pretty much everybody said no. <laughs> Other than this one girl who's like, yes, and I'll never make that mistake again. Oh, no. <laughs> Talking about that, like, yes, she was reading a book in a dead language. I, I have Harry Potter in Latin. <laughs> no. Don't trust Amber. <laughs> No, I can't read it though. <laughs> it's just the novelty of owning it. Well, I have. So I love the third. The third Harry Potter book is my favorite. Um, I don't know why, but it is just is my third. And wherever I go, um, so whenever I've lived in a different country or gone on holiday somewhere, I make sure I get the third Harry Potter in a different language. And then I read it in the different language and try and spot the like nerdy little mistakes ah. because I love the way because I studied translation at university and um, it was how like all of the names for people didn't just be they weren't just names they gave you a feeling like Severus Snape or immediately already sounds sneaky and slithery like slithery so like they had to get that feeling in and they changed the names in french and in spanish to give you that same feeling so i'm a little bit of a nerd when it comes to that and i have the latin one for when i visited the roman baths um and i also have the italian one the spanish one the french one and i think i have the welsh one <laughs> Amber, do you have the do you have the U.S. version where everything's dumbed down because we don't understand uh, all the little British nuances? Because we have a different version in the U.S. than you have. So, I I didn't know how different the Americanized version would be, but um, living in Britain, when you go driving anywhere, you happen across cities that. J.K. Rowling named her characters after. So there is a Dumbledore. There's a Snape. Um, there is um, a Trelawney. There's there's loads of different there's loads of different places that actually she took inspiration from and gave the names to the characters. So that, that's that's quite fun. Oh. 
I didn't know that. I'll, I'll have to get Scott to um to take some photos of the signs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's going to call it. Thank you so much for listening to episode four. As we mentioned previously, we are hosting a giveaway right now, starting right now at this very moment, on our Instagram. What we need you guys to do is take a photo or a screenshot of the Crave the Book podcast screen, whether it be, you know, you just our little logo or where you're listening from, wherever you're listening to the podcast from, get a photo. You can take it from your cell phone of your computer screen. You can take a screenshot of it. It doesn't matter as long as we can recognize what it is. Um, you could even take a selfie in front of, I know a lot of people listen to it on the TV. So feel free to take a selfie with your TV with it in the background. But we just need a photo showing us that you're listening and we need you to use the hashtag Crave Podcast Giveaway. You can also tag us directly at Crave Series Aesthetic. But make sure that you use hashtag Crave Podcast Giveaway because that is how we're going to count the votes. Quality of the photo doesn't matter. If you want to style it up for fun, you absolutely can. Uh, but this is just random. We are picking just a, a random person and you will be winning a huge box of Crave exclusive goodies direct from Entangled Teen. They've got hats, um, they're going to do, uh, I think they're doing a hard copy or hard copy cover, darn it, hard cover copy of Covet. That's, that's a tongue twister. Um, stickers, little like cards of all of the characters and different artwork. It's a huge box. I received one a couple weeks ago and you can see me unboxing it in our Instagram reels if you want to check it out. And then Amber and I are giving away a hoodie that we designed so you won't be able to get it anywhere else. It has gargoyle wings on the back and it says Ludare's Coach. It's got the Catmere Academy logo. Uh, and the front of it says Catmere Academy with the Catmere Academy logo in purple. We're also giving away a Crave-themed blanket with all of the cover art symbols in line art along with the Catmere Academy logo and a bullet journal to match. So make sure that you enter the giveaway by posting a photo and using the hashtag Crave Podcast Giveaway until September 27th. You only have until September 27th. That's less than a week. In fact, I recommend doing it by September 26th. That way we have time to get your votes because around noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Pacific, and 5 p.m. in the UK? Yeah, 5 p.m. in the UK. Uh, is when we will begin counting those votes up and getting you guys into a random generator. All right, Amber, are you, uh, are we ready? Are we, are we done? Any last yeah. minute things? Um, I don't, I, I don't have anything to add about those chapters in particular, but I'm very excited about the snowball fight. Oh yes. That'll be next episode is snowball fight. And, uh, analyzing all of that so super duper exciting guys and uh, keep send and keep sending in your your reactions to the podcast because oh, yes. we really do read them and we need them so that we know we're on the right track and that we should continue making them because they, they make our day knowing that they make your day yeah yeah keep keep sharing screenshots and and absolutely let us know and if you guys have things that you want us to cover or if we've covered something that that you want to touch on feel free to send us a message on instagram and we'll check it out but 
Guys, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week when we announce the winner of the giveaway. Bye!